listening to Cinema Jaw, the greatest movies podcast ever, recorded on location at Rye the Movie Guy Studios in Chicago. My name is Matt Kay, and with me is... Rye the Movie Guy, and sitting alongside us is... Phil me and Phil. Hello, how we doing, boys? This week on Cinema Jaw, Matt, we have three reviews for the Jawheads. We do Boston Strangler, 65, and Champions, right? Yes, yeah. and in honor of 65, which is... Adam Driver versus the Dinosaurs, me and Matt decided to take on a really difficult top three, top three movies with dinosaurs doesn't have Jurassic in the title. Right. We eliminated Jurassic Park movies. What other movies have dinosaurs in it? You're probably thinking, Jawheads. Tough, tough list. Is there any? We came up with three each. We did indeed. We did indeed, Ryan. Yes. No guests this week, Matt, so we will be playing Stump the Kabinsky. In honor of Boston Strangler, Boston movie trivia. Movie set in Boston. We're going to park the car in Harvard Yard. Not bad. Not bad, Matt. But we kick off this Cinema Jaw with a Willem Dafoe fact because we're still celebrating Willem Dafoe. What do we got this week, Phil? Yes. This week's fact, I literally could not possibly this is probably the greatest fact we have ever released about somebody ever mostly because it's the most personal and like information nobody needed to know but we all have no fact ever on cinema jaw history for the movie the antichrist willem dafoe was ready to go fully naked for the sex scenes but after Lars von Trier saw him saw Willem undressed, Lars discovered that Defoe was too, <clears throat> and this is quoted, too well equipped. Uh, and von Trier <laughs> figured that this would distract the audience, and led to the decision of using a body double for those scenes. I I I love that Lars von Trier was so distracted by this that he decided for the rest of us. Because realistically, I probably would be like, damn, Willem Dafoe's packing a, a, a heckin' salami. Who would have guessed it? The Green Goblin has a real goblin, yeah. you know? Yeah, he does. <laughs> he does. He's I, a monster I, down there. I mean, listen, when when he says your your penis is too large for the movie Antichrist, you know that it's got to be some serious man meat, you know? Right. And I, Where does... Go ahead, Phil. Where does the phallus end and Willem Dafoe begin is what I want to know. <laughs> but apparently he's really embarrassed about this fact. And he keeps getting asked about it again and again at, at like conventions and on panels and stuff. And he's just tired of this question. He's really not. So if you meet Willem Dafoe, don't ask him about his, his uh, large member is kind of what I'm trying to tell everybody. Too funny. Just buy him a drink and see it for yourself. You know what to do. We are recording this on the Thursday before a very big weekend. Two big events in Cinema Jaw world is happening this weekend. One is the Oscars. Yeah. And uh, I say this because obviously we're recording early, but congratulations to everything, everywhere, all at once. I feel that <laughs> confident, Matt. I feel that confident that the Academy has voted the best movie of the past 25 years as the movie of the year. And if it doesn't, it'll be the biggest snub in Oscar history. So by the time the Jawheads listen to this, it will have come to pass. Yes, we will be celebrating everything, everywhere, all at once. Also, we were just talking about this before we hit record. Uh, people have asked time to time on feedback asking about past Cinema Jaw 
host slash producer slash editor, Elias Rodriguez, mm-hmm. what he's been up to. Elias Rodriguez is getting married on yeah. Oscar weekend. Well done, Elias. Congratulations to Elias. So congrats to Elias. More and his bride-to-be. Yes, and his bride-to-be. So congratulations are in order for Elias. And you're going down to New Orleans, aren't you? Yes. So I wish I could go. I got young kids, couldn't, couldn't get the time off work. I'm just worried that I'll be back at some point for the Jawheads because this is a very dangerous situation. It really Me, is. Elias, his brother, uh, Jeff, friends of ours are down there. I'm glad I'm not going to be there. It's, it's it, going to be a, a, a poop show. It, yes, it's going to be sloppy. I'm, it's going to be a very, very fun time. Just be careful I because will. there are lots of charlatans and pickpockets and all kinds of people in New Orleans. Don't curse me here, Matt. I'm saying be keep your wits about you. It's a tourist trap on Bourbon Street, you know? It is. But the wedding, walking up and down Bourbon Street, it's going to be a blast. Good call by Elias getting married in New Orleans. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. That should be fun. So Congrats, con- Elias. Congrats, Elias. All right, no guests, so we have no interview to go to here. That's I think good. we just jump at this point, Matt, right into 65. All right, let's do it. Adam Driver fighting dinosaurs with a pulse rifle? Sign me up. That is pretty much the entire pitch meeting in the boardroom of Sony Pictures, the trailer, and everything I knew about 65 going in. With a title like that, it's begging for either four sequels or an adult film parody. But the poorly titled 65 sees a spaceman who suffers a catastrophic crash on an unknown planet. The twist is that he's actually on Earth 65 million years in the past, hence the title. Now he and fellow survivor Koa must make their way across a harsh landscape fraught with prehistoric peril and somehow escape. Will this dino movie take a bite out of its box office, or is it just a steaming pile of triceratops turd? Ryan and I rolled up our sleeves like Laura Dern to find out. My name is Mills. I was the pilot of the ship. We've crash landed on an uncharted planet. We are the only survivors. I don't know where we are, but there's something out there. Something alien. Rye, I have never been more bored by a man with a rifle fighting dinosaurs in my entire adult life. I don't say this lightly. I love Adam Driver. High concept. Really wanted to enjoy this movie. Was excited for it. Honestly, I saw the trailer. I'm like, what is that? Kind of came out of left field. But I should have known when we didn't get a press screening. They're really trying to sweep this thing under the rug. They've got a dud on their hands. Boy, how do you make a movie about dinosaurs and a spaceman this freaking boring? Yeah, that is the big question because you're right. The, the, the big idea here is, and this is no spoiler, I think by the title 65, a little elusive 65 million years ago. Are we talking about planet everybody Earth? Everybody knows, yeah. But everybody knows. So let's not beat around the bush. Because the I- they don't even care about spoilers. The idea is this, right. The idea is this, that Adam Driver is actually from a different planet. And I love this concept. I love thinking about it. I was thinking about time and space, that there was probably a civilization that did come by our galaxy 
at some point, maybe they came to Earth, maybe they came to Mars, maybe they were around the area sometime before human civilization even started. Love the idea. Here in the movie, Adam Driver is crash lands on Earth with basically what he thinks is no survivors because the the spacecraft that he is on is shredded to pieces. Mm -hmm. So it seems like it's only Adam Driver, but there is a little girl that ends up surviving the crash also. All right, if they're made this during what I had said to you coming out of the movie, if they made this during the pandemic and the idea was to do a small cast movie and then make this epic adventure with large-scale CGI dinosaurs, okay, let's go for it. But make it fun. Make this an exciting venture of being on prehistoric Earth with dinosaurs and all of the cool stuff that would be going on. And I even like that they set this right before the actual asteroid that wiped out the dinosaurs. You like that? Down. I like the idea that there was some sort of timetable coming down to it. However, everything that happens is so slow-paced. There's stuff happened? <laughs> so slow-paced. The, the uh, presence of the dinosaurs is not exciting in any facet. No. There's, there's like there was one decent jump scare, and I jumped. Did you see when oh, I? Yeah, oh yeah, you jumped right out of your seat. It was great, <laughs> and and they used a great visual. And I realize when I get uh, the best jump scare out of me is when I'm focusing on something like into the distance, and then something jumps out at the screen because I'm looking. Right. It was cheap. Bam. It was, and it, it was, was, but it was a good jump scare. It was decent. Yeah. It was good. That one got me. That was the only like major moment of the se- shuffling in the seats. There's a scene at the beginning of the movie you mentioned that Adam Driver's from another planet where him, his wife, and his daughter are kind of talking about his journey that he's about to go on. That scene was great. And and I kind of had high hopes. Although, and maybe we forgive this because we forgive it in Star Wars. There's a lot of similarities between the, these people and like modern day humans, you know? Like they pretty much have the same kind of style of clothing. But maybe we came from them. Right, that would have been interesting if they had kind of planted that seed, right. but, but they don't. No, they don't go there. No, and and the dinosaurs themselves, they look decent, right? I mean, we've gotten to the point in with, with filmmaking technology that that's no longer, you know, a, a, a laurel or an accolade that's just, well, good for you. You know, like probably any 15-year-old with a decent Macintosh could could make a oh, decent... I wouldn't go that far, but okay. I mean, it's getting there, dude. You know, just just tell an AI on on uh, the internet to generate a dinosaur for you. It's we're we're close. So I'm not as impressed by the visuals, the the pacing, the plot, the adventure itself. There are no set pieces. There are no obstacles. It's it's really loosey goosey with the action. Like nothing really happens. There's one goal that is set forth at the beginning of the movie, and there's basically one obstacle between them and that goal, and it's really freaking vague. It's like, we've got to walk through some fog. That's it. I was thinking back when we saw the T-Rex. I guess this is a T-Rex Who appearance. knows? But they don't identify the dinosaurs like they do, say, in Jurassic Park, you know? Obviously, they wouldn't, right? It's... Just this idea that there are these scary monsters on this planet. Um, I was shocked by how much Spielberg's Jurassic Park and the way he filmed the T-Rex in that scene is so influenced 
on this film, we see like the eyeball constantly, the, mm-hmm. the zoom in on the eyeball. And I think like, God, this is so Jurassic Park. Like Spielberg made a movie about dinosaurs that seems to like now transcend everything. That's how we visualize dinosaurs is the, the foot comes down at one point, we see the foot come down and then there's this eyeball shot and it happens here, which I, I, I liked uh, the idea that the dinosaurs were the aliens. Right. That was cool. That was right? cool, getting to see dinosaurs through a new lens. Right. But, but they didn't explore it enough. No, they don't. It, it, latch like, onto that What are these idea, things? Right. Like, latch yeah. onto it. Like, the way we were afraid of the xenomorph in Aliens mm-hmm. should have been how this character, Adam Driver, would be to see a dinosaur. Right. He is stunned by this thing. It's like, what the hell is out it, there? It should be like the mist with all these strange creatures everywhere. Right. Yeah. And I love that idea. It just didn't develop enough there. It was like presented, but didn't follow through on that. No. And then you're right. No set pieces whatsoever. So you're never invested in any one particular scene because we don't know where they're trying to go. And that is a major problem with this film. There's no goal inside the actual scenes. So when they're in the cave, for instance, there's a moment when they're in the cave and they sort of get trapped because the dinosaur comes through one way. Well, what was the exact goal? Were they just sleeping in the cave? Um, I mean, the idea... I don't know. I actually thought, okay, they got trapped. They ran away from a dinosaur in a cave and they went deeper into the cave and then he gets all upset. He's like, we got no way out of here, you know? It's like, well... How about just like resting for a little bit and then seeing if the entrance is open? It, it wasn't like... He's not going to stay there forever. Right. The, the dinosaur wasn't going to be outside of that same entrance forever. So it's like, we'll just go right back out there. And it was like all those kind of moments, they weren't... The characters weren't put into situations that we could have cared about and understood in, in, in a way that would have made this thrilling. Here's another big problem with this movie. The character Koa, who I think the little girl did a, a decent job with, with what she had in front of her, which wasn't very much because Koa doesn't speak the same language as Adam Driver. And right? I didn't like this at all. No. Here's a perfect opportunity for some kind of like representation. Maybe she could be uh, a, a, a different ethnicity or uh, maybe she's hearing impaired and can't speak. No. She just... Uh, a white girl who speaks a different language. Like, come on. That's lazy. Now you don't have to write dialogue. That's all it was, man. And I don't even understand the purpose of it. I, really? From a filmmaking I, know. Spa- it, it, I don't I have no idea why. They didn't talk. So boring. It really made no sense. It really didn't make no sense because if he was going to be the, the pilot of the ship that was taking this crew of people, and I get that, like, okay, they're an advanced civilization and there's probably multiple languages on there. Sure. But probably the pilot would be somebody that would speak multiple languages. Well, not necessarily. To a degree. Okay, let's let's put him as like a bus driver, I guess. So he's probably like low end, like, all right, I got to drive these guys to a new planet. I guess that's the, the idea. I don't know. It, again, it didn't follow through on that enough. No. What so was why the purpose of that? Yeah, yeah, it made no sense. It really made no sense. Yeah. Um, and then then we get this ending scene that I, I mean I like again I do like the fact that the asteroid that we know is going to hit the earth is coming but did it work for me at the end I mean it wasn't nearly as thrilling as it should have been and really it lost us I think it lost the whole audience we saw this with a very small audience I don't I didn't feel anybody you, no. you, a lot of times you can feel the vibe in the movie I don't think anybody was into this movie 
I hate to say this because I, I love Adam Driver and I like to give every movie a chance, but I was literally falling asleep. Now I'm tired today, but I have never fallen asleep in a, in a screening. And I was like struggling with this one. It's just dry and bland and boring. I hate to say it. Was there a jaw-dropping moment that you can think of? The bug in her mouth. That was pretty creepy. Like, what was that? How did it get there? Like, I don't know. Like, that's that's one thing that really freaked the hell out of me. <laughs> really, that's actually a, a good call because that was gross. Flat yeah. out gross. I always hate the idea of like a bug crawling in my mouth. You oh, know, sure. You, Who doesn't? Yeah. You hear these stories that what the human they should have leaned into that right. more it should have been like skull island you right. know and, and in a way when you think about it when they first land adam driver swats a bug and he kills it on his neck and it's all sticky and gooey on his neck and yeah. his fingers he go should have been poisoned yeah. go more with that i agree um the jaw-dropping moment probably for me is the first time that we see like the big t-rex dinosaur it, it, all right, this is going to be awesome. I thought, like, yep, within the thunder, the yes. lightning, that was kind of cool because it's it's there, it's present, but it's so dark we can't see. And then this lightning strikes and it illuminates the face of the T Rex. Yeah, it's like, oh, it snuck man. up on them. Love it, but unfortunately, that was more uh, just hopefulness than it ended up being because it was a, a downer from there. So. It was. How many jaws for sixty five, Mickey? One. Point two five. Wow, that is tough. I was going to say... I like the gun. The pulse rifle was kind of cool. It was. How much ammo did he have in it, though? Enough. But explain that, right? It did. It, it showed a it going down. A little bit. But it, it, I mean, right at the end it did. But it should have, like, you know, Filmmaking 101, explain to the audience how this thing sort of works. And then we're, we're invested in this idea that, like, well, this thing's going to run out. Because at first we didn't realize that. It seemed like, well, this guy could just kill everything anyway. So what does it matter? But yeah, it wasn't, it was just told poorly. I'll go, uh, I'll go a single jaw, one jaw for 65, unfortunately. This is fine to skip, everybody. Yeah. There's just really nothing there. Ah, uh, I mean, We'll see. I mean, make a better movie about the idea of an alien coming to Earth and exploring. What the hell is Adam Driver doing in this thing? Again, I, we got to look. Phil, he's throw, in, he's throw goes, it in the fish tank. Was this made during the pandemic? That's my guess, if you can find anything on it. That's my guess on this. I swear to God, and I have not looked at any production notes. He, he does Oscar bait movies like the last five years, you know? Now, now he turns up in this turd. And, and honestly, if you did this exact premise of a movie with the right actor and the right script in the sense of like it was an adventure to get off a prehistoric earth, it could work. It could. It could. It could. But it did not. Nope. One jaw for Rai the Movie Guy, 1.25 for Matt K on 65. That brings us into our... Dinosaur movies. Yeah. These, these are... Movies that feature dinosaurs is the way we're phrasing it that do not have Jurassic in the title. I'm going to go first on this one. Okay, go ahead. I'll let you finish this one up. And Matt's right. It was a a difficult list to come up with. And doing the research, I came across a movie that I literally forgot was even made. And I love that it was like, oh, right. And I even saw this damn movie in the theater and I liked it. And I'm wondering if Phil likes it because Phil's a big animation guy. And I'm not talking about The Good Dinosaur. You may have this on your list. I've never seen the film. Not going to comment on it. But back in 2000, there was a movie called Dinosaur by Disney. 
and it was a computer animated movie. And and going back in time, you got Toy Story came out in '95, Dinosaur comes out in 2000. Computer animated movies are still very much a new kind of toy. Sure, it's, sure. It's interesting, and the animation style in Dinosaur was excellent. I mean, especially the asteroid attack at the beginning. And it's not the big asteroid at, at the start of the film that like wipes them out, but an asteroid, you know, shower that's coming down on, on the earth. And the dinosaur ends up uh, befriending some uh, lemurs and then goes and lives in this whole adventure takes place. Is it and, a kid's movie? Yes, it's a kid's movie. Okay. But it, it is kind of dark. And it, from my research today, it was supposed to be a lot darker than it was. But the animation style is kind of like realistic in the sense of computer-generated uh, animation at that time in 2000. It looked good. Rewatched it today. I was like, yeah, I remember why I was excited about this movie. It all was about the visual. And in fact, Roger Ebert, he points out a great thing. that The animals ended up talking in the movie. Like and they do. Like they do. So Roger Ebert gave the film three stars out of four, praised the film's amazing visuals, wow. okay, but criticized the decision to make the animals talk, which he felt canceled out the effort to make the film so realistic. Ebert wrote, an enormous effort had been spent on the making of these dinosaurs uh, to make them seem real. And then an even greater effort was spent to undermine the illusion. Meaning that they looked so cool, but then to have them talk, you were reminded that this is just a kid's movie. Well, I don't know. Uh, Roger, how do you know dinosaurs didn't talk? You know, you weren't there. But I understand. I understand. Dinosaur, second question I'm going to throw into the fish tank, is a Disney movie. I've never seen it on the thumbnails on Disney Plus. So, Phil, can, can I see if it is streaming on Disney Plus? Oh, you bet. I'll look it up right now. Have you seen the movie, by the way? I have. I I I was curious because when you when you initially pitched it and you had said I'm curious to know what Phil thinks. My immediate thought was like, man, I do remember it, but uh, my distinct memory of rewatching it in college was, man, this animation does not hold up like it did in 2000. And you were like, I just watched it today, and I remember why I was so excited. Um, but I I do remember being net positive on it. Mm. And I, because, uh, okay, so two, the year 2000, I would have been turning seven, okay? So I was prime demo Jeez, for thanks this. thanks for making us feel really old, but go on. That's just the way they go, Matt. It is. Uh, <laughs> but I, I remember as a kid being, that moment when they start talking, being like, oh, finally, it's a real movie as a seven-year-old. So. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> Ebert was throwing his papers in the air. There it is. It's gone to shit. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, what do you got sitting at three? All right. At number three, I am going with the movie that 65 should have been like. Peter Jackson's 2005 King Kong. Skull Island at its best. Even, even King Kong Skull Island, which came out uh, much more recently, doesn't hold a candle to what Peter Jackson did with Skull Island. 
the bugs, when they get into that alley, the bug scene with the swamp worms coming out and they the like segmented teeth like swallowing a person whole and the dragonflies that they have to chop in half with machetes and all the like creepy crawlies and that's just the beginning. The dinosaurs come and Kong gets into a fight with the dinosaurs. Classic, in the hands of a master like Peter Jackson, epic and great acting throughout uh, fantastic cast. Jack Black's in there. Jack Black, <laughs> Naomi great. Watts. Uh, um, help me out. Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody is in this. You're right. Yeah. So it's it's a fantastic cast. I love Peter Jackson's. I think we've gotten so caught up in the new King Kongs, which are great too, that we forgot how tight and concise um, Peter Jackson's entry was. Yeah, I don't know how tight the, the word tight. It was a three-hour epic. Okay. I mean, it, was a, it was a little like, uh, I could probably condense this a, a little bit more. But instead of three-movie epic, it's a one... It was a wonder. And, and I remember being excited that it, it was a movie. Like Now we had these uh, special effects that were like great. And it was like, oh, let's redo King Kong on Skull Island was probably the best part of it because... Redoing King Kong, the oh the, the New main, York scene's great. It, it is great, but going to Skull Island really let them play with the special effects. Oh yeah, that's when the movie really shined. So yeah, I love that scene. The bug scene holds up to this day, just in terms of its horror. You know, it's it's disgusting. Good pick. My number two is uh, another animated movie, and it's probably my uh, cheapest dinosaur movie. On the list here. Oh, I got a cheaper one. No, this one's a cheap one. This okay. is a cheap one. This is Toy Story. And uh, I'm going with it because we have a, a toy, Rex, voiced wow. by Wallace Shawn. Yeah, of course. And um, I love this Wallace Shawn, too. He pops up in Woody Allen movies. He's one of those, that guy kind of Oh, actors. no, no, no. He's not a that guy. He's Wallace freaking Shawn. Okay. You pay your respect to Dude, him. Right. Well, I... Don't know his name as much as I would say. Oh, that guy! For me, I always see him, and I, I know He's exactly Mancini. who he is. Come on, I know, but when I see him, I always know who he is. But to be absolutely honest, I had to like look up his name today. Of you know, I knew who it was in my mind, the face of who did Rex the dinosaur. He's but been I didn't in know the so guy's name. So many movies, so many movies. But I love this guy. Um, is he in the Princess Bride? That's what I just of said. Course. He's, oh, he's Vincini. Yes. Princess Bride. Um, there, was, there was another movie that uh, I was thinking of. And I'm like, yeah, the guy pops up in, in you know numerous spots. Anyways, he's Rex and he's hilarious. Dinosaur is great in Toy Story 1 through all of them. So that's my pick. Wow. Really? Yeah. That's your dinosaur movie? Yeah. This was a tough list. I, I told you it was a cheap pick. It I, is. I have a couple of honorable mentions, but I was afraid that they were I, on your list, and I wanted to spread the love. I don't even have uh, honorable mentions. This list was so hard that I am putting a movie on my list that it would be fair to say isn't even a B movie. It's a C, maybe a D. Oh, my goodness. But it's got a 61%. Per- D for you is really low. Right? Yeah. yeah. This, this, these, this makes Troma look like, um, like Steven Spielberg. But it's it, it just... Here's the thing. It's it's just totally DIY, and it just went for it. What so, the hell are we talking? Did you make this movie? No. I okay. remember this came out in 2017, and it was so ridiculous. Charles Klein made this? He could have. <laughs> it came out, and, and it was so ridiculous, just the premise. I, I was like, I have to see this movie. And I just watched it on the in its entirety on YouTube. It's called The Velocipaster. 
Do you remember when we were getting the emails for this? No. Oh my god, dude. We get so many emails on these these duds that I, I don't I don't watch them or pay attention. This delete, one delete, delete. I couldn't let it go by. The Velosa Pastor <laughs> <laughs> is about a guy <laughs> who's you need a, a pastor. A pastor, right. <laughs> a man of the cloth, Ryan. Oh my god. Who who goes out to uh I wanna say South America, like an, a, a a foreign country and um, contracts some kind of disease where he he turns into a, a velociraptor. Oh yes, yeah. yes. So I've um, heard about this happening. It actually, happened to my uncle. He he uh, he saves a hooker's life, and she repays him in kind, as you do. And she convinces him to use his powers to fight crime, specifically ninjas. <laughs> Oh my goodness! And just watch the trailer. This is a movie that's that's not even so bad. It's good. It's just so good at being bad. It 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 doesn't try to be like good at all, but it's it's really good at doing that. This has to be streaming on Tubi. That's my guess. It's got. Can we throw that in the fish tank, please? Where can you see the Velocipaster? It is seventy five minutes long, pure hilarity all the way through. The effects are shit. They, they don't even try, but that's like its charm. If you're into trauma and B-movies, you will love Velocipaster. It's hilarious. Wow. That is awesome. I mean, listen, it's a better dinosaur movie than Toy Story. You okay? literally watched it when they I sent did. us either the so, link or the press stuff. Yeah. yeah, a little behind the scenes. We get these um, emails, and sometimes they come from, I don't want to say disreputable, but lesser known companies Yeah, you know, like that are really trying hard to get their movies out. And oftentimes they're like low, low, low budget horror movies. They need some press. They're trying to get anybody, all right. podcasts. And occasionally we bite, right? We, we do. I mean, some do seem interesting every once in a while. No doubt. So Velocipaster ke- came and I deleted the first three or four and it kept coming. <laughs> and I'm like, man, this is just too ridiculous. I got to watch the trailer. And I watched the trailer. I'm like, that is amazing. I'm watching this one. They sent us a link and I watched it. It's funny. Yeah. yeah. It was great. There's been a few through the years I'll watch because they, they usually bait and switch you a little bit. You know, Sometimes they'll have somewhat of a name in there and they're like, oh, well, you watch the movie and we're going to be doing interviews. You know? mm-hmm. And it's, it's got like maybe a, you know, a washed up star or you know, somebody that would be like, oh, yeah, that'd be interesting to talk to. And then you watch the movie and you're like, oh my God, was that bad? And then it's like, damn it, we can't even get, you know, Whoever it was, anyways, on on you know. Oh, we can get the Velocipaster. Oh, I'm sure we can get the director of that. He's probably. Oh, I'm. I, we could get the stars. <laughs> Kid me. <laughs> I love it. I'm not pooping on it either, man. I think this is an actual schlock masterpiece. Wow. All right, into our number ones. Are you ready for our, our uh, movies that feature yeah. dinosaurs? Boy, we, am I. I actually have a masterpiece at number one. Okay, good. So I don't. Um, so yes. let's hear it. So mine was on my top ten movies of the decade when we oh, wow. closed out the last decade. And it's not a Jurassic Park. And it's not a Jurassic Park. Okay. But again, it just features dinosaurs. It's not about dinosaurs. You're going to cheat again. Because if you say Toy Story 3... I'm, no, no. Okay. I'm going with The Tree of Life. And This you is have, not a dinosaur movie. I didn't say so dinosaur you, you would get. I if, said features if, dinosaurs. No, you didn't. You said dinosaur movies. If, <laughs> if I pulled a move like this, you would be so pissed off at me. You'd be like, what are you talking about? I'd be... The tree, the, of, the tree of Life is not a dinosaur movie. No, it is not a dinosaur movie. But The Tree of Life is going for something grand, something majestic. It's 
uh, you know, a lot, we, me and Matt actually had dinner before we recorded this podcast and we were talking a little bit about getting older and life and the beauty of everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. And, and on a bagel, right. And we were talking about, well, yeah, movies like this just will come along in a generation, to be honest. Um, the tree of life actually is actually going for the same exact message of, Maximalism. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Sean Penn's character who is looking back at his childhood, who was raised by Brad Pitts, uh, who's a, like a stern you know, dad, Texas dad, is raising these kids. It's definitely different than everything, everywhere, all at once. But the idea that there is something so grand that we can't even comprehend it uh, as humans and that we're just such a small part, and that it can make us feel insignificant, but at the same time, unique and beautiful, is there. It's in that movie also. It's the same exact message. I've heard that, I've heard that said, yeah. And it, it, it will wow you if you have the time to sit down with this, this Malik masterpiece. It is definitely a masterpiece. And at one point, right in the middle of the movie, we get this, this humongous moment where it's like about the galaxy, the Earth, and all of a sudden, we get dinosaurs right, right. in this middle. We see, we see life begin. Right. We see the way life started. And we see dinosaurs on Earth. And it, it's just this like, wow, kind of moment where you're like, it's, it's the rock moment in Everything Everywhere All at Once, where it, it all of a sudden, there's that shift in the, in the movie. There's this shift in the Malik movie where it's like, oh, wow. It's right. We're, we're talking about one thing, the small family in Texas. But we're really talking about the galaxy also, you know, it's all right there. And it's a beautiful moment. And it's the dinosaur moment in the tree of life. My number one moment for dinosaur movie, or at least movies that feature dinosaurs. Okay. <laughs> I actually followed the rules that you set forth, man. You would have been so pissed if I picked Terrence Malick. I mean, of course that's a great, great movie, especially compared to my number one, which is comparatively a, a total turd. I, Oh no! I love this movie. You you probably You're never a even turd heard, and you've already did the oh, what the lobster pastor, whatever the hell the thing's called. Yeah, well, this is Velocipaster. <laughs> this is this is better than Velocipaster, arguably. arguably. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it is. Uh, I gotta I gotta I gotta actually look up the year of this one. Hang on. Nineteen eighty-five, adventure fantasy. Baby, Secret of the Lost Legend. Never even heard of it, man. Okay. This is a movie that I was a VHS rental fan of. You know, 1985, I'm pretty young. I'm nine years old, right? No, eight. And I used to rent this movie again and again and again. Basically, two scientists go into the woods and like the jungles of the Amazon or something, and they discover a family of brontosauruses that still exist on Earth. And the, the, the parents get chased off or killed or something, I don't remember. And they, they wind up caring for the, the hatchling, Brontosaurus. And of course, there's an evil doctor who's trying to steal it for his own. And it's like pretty like violent. There's like helicopters and they're trying to shoot at the, the baby Brontosaurus because of course we would want to destroy something like that. Um, yeah, and the two leads like are romantically involved and i remember thinking like oh that's interesting like there's a lot going on in baby secret of the lost uh legend 
and the effects are absolutely horrible, but they're practical, right? So it, it kind of also like, I really used to like cryptids and like monsters and stuff like the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot and stuff. This, this itch that scratch or scratch that itch for me as well. And I just loved it. It's my number one dinosaur movie that isn't Jurassic Park. Wow. And I say, watch it, Ryan. I'll probably watch the Pastor movie before we get there. <laughs> I'm more intrigued by that one. Well, you should see the cast of Baby. Honorable mentions. So we missed a couple of big ones. I don't know if you saw Land of the Lost with... With Will, uh, Will, Will Ferrell. Ferrell? No. And I, I used to either. love the TV show. I know. And I've not seen Land of the Lost, so it's a blind spot for me. Phil, do you even know that TV show? Or are you too young? Never heard of it once in my life. Boy, so, yeah. Poor Phil. Yeah. Poor Phil. But Land of the Lost, I always did want to see, and I caught, you know, 15 minutes on, like, Pluto TV or cable, and I remember thinking, at some point I'll watch this. I mean, it's goofy and dumb, but I do want to see it. Are the Slee Stacks in it? Uh, that I don't know. I mean, I, I, I have no idea. But okay. uh, Ice Age, Dawn of the Dinosaurs. Ice mm-hmm. Age is... The Ice Age movies in general. Right. And they're, they're decent animated films. Ray Romano. They went too long. There's too many of them. Right. But Ice Age, Dawn of the Dinosaurs, I think is the third one. Probably my favorite one maybe in the series. I, I may, Call me crazy. I had King Kong listed. And then The Land Before Time, which is an old school animated film that... I know I saw when I was a kid, but I saw it so young that I, I can't talk it's, about it's it. It's a tearjerker. Yeah, and I can't talk about it in any type of... Uh, Why not? I talked about Baby. Come on. But no, I'm saying like I don't even remember it enough. It's more like when I see the images, I'm like, oh yeah, I saw this movie, but I don't remember it at all. So. Mm. Okay. Uh, we should mention The Good Dinosaur. It, it bears a mention. I haven't actually ever seen it. Have you, Ryan? I have not. Phil? Good Dinosaur? I have. I have. I actually think it is unfairly uh, uh, criticized. Mm. I, I often cite this as like, <clears throat> like outside of films, or like it's like the Good Dinosaur is not a bad movie. It's just not the best Pixar movie, and we hold it to an unfair standard. But if you compare it to like, that's beginning I don't know, to change. What was like. Yeah, like it's better than the Secret Life of Pets. I'll die on that hill. Wow, mm, I love wow. the Secret Life of Pets. Sounds like we get a poll question in our future. All right, Jawheads, if we missed your favorite movie that features dinosaurs that does not have Jurassic in the title, shoot us a tweet or at CinemaJaw or our email feedback at CinemaJaw.com. Matt, I did catch up with another movie here. It's Bobby Farley, right? I love this guy, and Bobby Farley, along with his brother have made raunchy comedies over the over the years. This year, 2023, he has a solo project titled Champions. In the film, Woody Harrelson coaches a group of intellectually challenged players in basketball. I'm not going to lie, I was a bit worried this was going to go horribly wrong. So I stopped into the theater, a little nervous this time, to check it out. Remember Marcus Markovich? You gotta make that! Well, he got fired. Marcus, get off the court. That wasn't nice. Nothing but bad news for the Iowa Stallions. What an idiot. Mr. Markovich, I will offer you community service. Coaching adults with intellectual disabilities. Your Honor, we're talking re-re-whoa. No boo-boo words. (laughs) 
Okay, fellas, we're gonna do a simple ball handling exercise. My girlfriend loves those. <laughs> it's impossible to coach these guys. You don't have to turn them into the Lakers. They just need to feel like a team. Uh, we're gonna need some help. You're getting a player off the injured list. Welcome to the team, Cosentino. What's with the boogie board? You do you, I do me, okay? Where do you got this guy? He just showed up one day. The good news is, Champions is handled with care and comes at us with the right intentions. Is it a slam dunk? Eh, more on that in a second. The film stars Woody Harrelson, and his character is getting fired from his minor league basketball coaching job. That night, he gets arrested for a DUI and is sentenced to 90 days community service in Des Moines, Iowa. His assignment? Coach a group of young, intellectually challenged players called the Friends in basketball. From there, you can more or less guess what happens. No jokes are made at the expense of the players. As a matter of fact, one of the things I liked was Farley's approach to treat these kids as you would any other group of basketball players. We learned that many of them hold down jobs, live, their, live on their own, and make a good life for themselves. They joke around with each other like teammates do. These were fun and touching moments. In general, I would describe this as heartfelt, predictable, but heartfelt. As for why it was not a slam dunk, Many jokes fell flat, the sports formula feels tired, and Harrelson feels like he was only given about 65-70% tops. While it might not break any new ground, I am slightly recommending champions. Heartwarming, would you say? Heartwarming, yes. Okay. Yes. Um, it is definitely heartwarming. If you if you get arrested for DUI, that's minimum j- jail time. You don't get community service anymore. It, You're going to jail. This is this this is so strange. I I was stunned at this moment in the movie where I thought like well, this is this is the the moment I always talk about the moment of believability in movies. Like, well, it just crossed the line because he's literally about to get arrested. They're like, "Oh, you could do community service or you could go to serve jail time for like Come on, guys. And I mean, cops don't give you that. The judge gives you that. No, this is by the judge. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is by the judge. I, I, it's in court. But the judge is like, well, you could do community service. And right away, he's like, I can't. Not in Des Moines, Iowa, you know, because he's thinking he's going to be an NBA coach at some point. And they're like, all right, well, then it's, you know, I forget the amount, but I want to say something like six months in, in jail. And then, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. And they're like, all right, 90 days community service. It just doesn't work that way. I mean, everybody would love 90 days uh, community service on DUI charge. Yeah. Jeez. You, you, you're going to jail, and that's like a $10,000 fine minimum. 100%. Yeah, that is... Uh, and so, okay, you said this this uh, is a little predictable. I, I can predict exactly how this is going to go. Do you think too much care was taken? Did that cause some of the comedy to feel forced or flat? They pull some punches. Perhaps. I guess, you know, on, on a, a subject like this where you're trying to, um, you know, it's about inclusion. I love the representation in the movie. You're probably trying. It's just not the movie that they're. you're probably thinking of. Like, oh, it's a Farley movie. And they're gonna like right because they're pretty irreverent. Right, they're like they're gonna they're gonna like cut the line here where it's absolutely perfect. They just don't even approach the line. You know, it's just like that's hey, what that's a little disappointing. Yeah, they're, they're they're not going for that. This is more of just hey, this is a nice 
you know, warm movie to go see. I, I would imagine, and I don't have, you know, you know, somebody in my family or inner circle that is intellectually challenged. But if there, if I had, this would be a movie that would be so welcoming to like go see and celebrate. And yeah. So it, it, that's what the movie I think is, is it's about representation. For. It really is yeah. more than anything. It's not a Farley movie that's trying to, you know, really give you the belly laughs. Right. And, and cut the fine line where they're even approaching those kind of jokes. It's nowhere in the, something about married territory or stuck on you. Nowhere even close to any of See, that. but I think like, yeah, that's kind of what I was trying to say. Like, like something about Mary is a great example. We were talking about this in the car. Something about Mary, her brother is uh, neurologically diverse, right? And uh, I think that they, they didn't pull a punch in that movie. They, they, nor were they insensitive. That's right. just like a, a fact of the story. Well, that's what I, I do think that's what he's going for here is like, hey, this is these are the facts. These are this is what the, the kids are real kids. Sure. They live with, you know, exactly how they do and they play basketball and let's just go with it. Let's get beyond the point of that's that, cool. that, it, that it's a, a moment or a punchline or something's going right. to be anything other than this is real life. And these kids are playing basketball and this is the coach. And let's go from there. Cool. Yeah. If there was a jaw-dropping moment, I do have one. I mean, there were uh, two things I wanted to mention that I did not was that uh, Cheech Marin is in this, and oh, also you gotta love Cheech, uh, absolutely, and Ernie Hudson. Really? So you okay. get both you those got guys. Yeah. So you got both those guys pop up in there. Nice to see a nice cast. But there is a moment because there is a player uh, on the Friends that's a really good basketball player, but he does not want to play for Woody Harrelson. Mm. And you don't know why exactly. And when you come to find out why, it's a very uh, touching moment. Gave me a lump in the throat. Hmm. A very sobering moment where it was like, wow, that was good. This was, this was I thought, okay, if the whole movie, th- this, is, this is respectable. I think it's going to open some eyes in this one moment. You think it's going to do pretty well at the box office? I don't know. I don't know. I, I just don't. You got a quote for it? I do have a quote. Movie poster quote would be this. Champions will win most fans over. All right. How many jaws, right? Two and a half jaws for champions. All so right. I'm on board for champions. Do check it out, Jawheads. It's playing in theaters. Let's do this. Let's take a break. Yeah. Because when we come back, we still have one more review. The we Boston do. Strangler of all things. Save which, the best for last. Which is going to be on Hulu. And we have a Stump the Kabinsky. Stick with us, Jawheads. One of my favorite Willem Dafoe performances of the last 10 years took place in my favorite movie of the year when it came out, The Florida Project. In it, he runs a hotel, or I should say a motel, down in Florida. And at one point, in maybe one of the most emotional beats of the film, a guy comes to the hotel and is obviously up to no good looking at some young kids and Willem Dafoe brings him over to a soda machine and magic happens in cinema. This is Willem Dafoe at his best. Good? Sure. Get the fuck out of here. You come on this property again and you won't believe me, you understand? I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what I'm talking about? You're gonna play it that way, huh? 
Coachman of Cherry Hill, New Jersey. You can't keep me out. That's my license. I'm gonna call your name. Into the county sheriff. Now you get the fuck out of here. here. Get going. Get going. Don't you stop. Cinema Jaws brought to you by the guys over at Cracking the Code of Spy Movies podcast. If you're into spy movies and you're into podcasts, you should definitely listen to this one. Then you know what? I'll let them tell you about it. You love spy movies? Well, our show is all about spy movies from the classics like The 39 Steps, The Ipcris File, to James Bond, Mission Impossible, and current releases like No Time to Die. This is Dan Silvestri. And Tom Pizzotto. Just go to your favorite podcast app and search Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Do the same on YouTube. Our show decodes key scenes, dives into connections and influences from other movies, does interviews with actors and directors, and keeps you informed with our spy movie news segment, all while having fun. Podcasts and YouTube videos. Join us on Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. And we are back on Cinema Jaw. Matt, before we talk Boston Strangler and play some trivia, we threw a few items into the fish tank. Phil? Phil, are you there? Wait a moment. It's fish. Isn't it? DC, wake up, wake up. No, Pat, it's a giant glass bowl. Hey, get some fish, folks. Who's coming with me besides Flipper? Here. That's a silly message. It means look up Brassy sleeps with the fishes. Thank you all so much for letting me out this week. I gotta say, I'm willing to make some exceptions because half of this top three was children's films, but I don't think you guys tapped into that well as deep as you could have, because Stephen's Land Before... Land Before Time wasn't on here once. There's like We're Back wasn't on here once. I maybe you guys should have just been children at the same time I was a children because I had a great time with Dinos as a kid. Uh, there's a lot of great cinematic masterpieces involving those long necked sons of guns. I was going to say right around when Jurassic Park broke and it obviously was humongous. There was a, a slew of dinosaur everything. That we were There's, probably already a little bit older for. That right. young kids at that point would have loved. I so. think every little kid goes through a dinosaur phase at like between like four and six. They go through a dinosaur phase. My kids did at least. And a, a quick shout out to the TV series. I'm pretty sure it's either Disney or Nickelodeon. Um, Dino Dan and then subsequently Dino Dana. If you got little kids, they're not terrible. TV shows to watch if they're into dinosaurs. I'll skip it. Phil, what did we throw I in mean, the fish tank? <laughs> Phil knows what I'm talking yeah, about. I don't know what you're talking about on that, but I will say, depending on what your beliefs in modern science and archaeology are, Chicken Run should count as a dinosaur movie, too, in my book. If dinosaurs have feathers now, then those 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 dinosaurs ran fast with Mel Gibson. <laughs> uh, what we have in here uh, was 65 made. 
during the pandemic. And yes, principal shooting started November 16th of 2020. Uh, so right when all of us were cashing in those dank, spicy uh, unemployment checks with an extra $1,200, Adam Driver was out there pulse rifling dinos. Uh, there was some also some shooting in January and February of 2021. Um, so still, like that was a rough time, kind yeah. of in that weird zone that where was the it's Omicron, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The like right after hot vax, no, right before hot vax summer when we all thought we could get dumb and sloppy and realized we can't do that. Um, Man, what a wild time that was. It was. Anyways. <laughs> but that does make sense that it was such a small cast. And sure. Th- that doesn't explain why the girls didn't speak the I same know. language. I I'm, know. I'm not, I'm not a, making you know total excuses for the film. I'm just saying. That does make sense. Yeah. Uh, is Dinosaur streaming on Disney Plus? And yes, you bet your sweet boopy dinosaur is on Disney Plus. Uh, it is a lesser known Disney film. Uh, I do think they're maybe not the most proud of it either. So it doesn't shock me that it's not like one of their thumbnail featured films. But you can find it if you look it up. Was that everything? Uh, Oh, we got one more? No, we got one more. We got one more in here. And it's where can you watch the Velocipaster? Listen, (laughs) Matt. Yeah. Ryan. Sweet angelic virtuous jawheads everybody get comfortable because this damn movie is so many places uh if you have got a fubo subscription you are in luck the most luck because you can watch it there right now with no ads for those of us myself included who don't have fubo it is streaming with ads on peacock Roku Channel, Voodoo, Tubi, Crackle, and Filmsy. And because the atheists needed a reason other than that Velocipaster is a thing to believe in God's existence, you can also get this hidden gem on my favorite streaming service and yours for free from your local library because it is important to your library that you watch this movie on Hoopla. <laughs> the, the United States Library Service has put so much importance in Velocipaster, you owe it to your local you library. You owe it to your country. That's where, it. Our, that's where our government money is going to, guys. To the Velocipaster streaming on Hoopla. I've never been prouder to be a taxpayer. You can't get research like this other than filming the film. (laughs) I love it. Well done, Phil. Before we close that fish tank, we did get some feedback, Matt, that I wanted to uh, touch on. You know, we threw that question out on Facebook. Best um, performance by Willem Dafoe. Oh, yeah. And, And we still got some other ones coming in. One of them is Olga Honey Toad wrote in the life aquatic it was a different sort of character for defoe very sweet and lovable totally agree with you olga i love the life aquatic and yes totally off character for defoe i mean completely different. playing against type yeah. totally different yeah love it um kevin gogner said streets of fire which i don't know if you've seen i have not and To Live and Die in L.A. I have not seen To Live and Die in I L.A. I don't think I have either. 
So there you go. Also, you got to catch up on some Defoe. I agree. Blind spots for me. In regards to our cocaine movies that we did when we reviewed Cocaine Bear, yeah. we heard from various people, three in fact, all had the same answer. One of them was Jonathan Quinn and also Melrose Park Lewis, a friend of mine who said, we missed... Less than zero. Oh, damn. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Jonathan Quinn wrote in saying, this seems like a total McKay pick. It stars Robert Downey Jr., Andrew McCarthy, and James Spader. It I is. know Lewis told me the same thing. Have you seen it? Because I have oh, not. Oh, God, yeah, you I haven't? Have, I have not seen it. Wow. Less than zero. It's it's like probably the best Brat Pack movie there is. And, and definitely what gave us the dramatic... Robert Downey Jr. Like prior to that, he had just done like irreverent teen comedies. And then he comes out with um, Less Than Zero, which is really a precursor to Requiem for a Dream. It's it's like a down and dirty drug movie that shows the dark side of things. I mean, Robert Downey goes to some, some dark places to get his addictions satisfied. Interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. messed up. That's why I love when the Jawheads call us out that we missed one. Good call, Jawheads. I yes. totally missed less than zero. Was that everything, Phil? That is all we got. Jump back in that fish tank. You know I will. The Boston Strangler, Ryan. From writer-director Matt Ruskin comes the true crime thriller and Hulu original, The Boston Strangler. This who really done it stars Keira Knightley and re-emphasizes the feminism at the center of the Boston Strangler case from the 1960s. Can this terribly titled movie be a hit for Hulu and Ruskin, or is it just another false confession? Ryan and I turn back time to find out. The city is for some glamorous, stimulating, prosperous. Only recently has it become dangerous. I found something. Three women were strangled over the last two weeks. You're on the lifestyle desk. You're not covering a homicide. I think the murders are connected. Another woman was strangled. Just came over the wire. I'm killed in the follow-up. You don't have a story. How many women have to die before it's a story? They just confirmed number four. Police aren't talking. Never seen them this tight-lipped about anything. I don't care if it's one killer or four. We're going to catch whoever did this. You have Boston police, hands on the wall. What I need to put right up on Front Street is the periodness, to coin a term, of this movie is out of whack. It has a 40s noir feeling to it that matches the tone and subject matter, but not the era. The clothes are all wrong, the sets are all wrong, and the tone of America post-JFK was just flat out missing. It feels as though the filmmaker decided to shift the 1960s into the 1940s with nurse uniforms and women in wool uh, wool skirt suits. Even the cadence of the dialogue seems off to me, more like a, hey, Johnny, got a smoke type radio commercial. And maybe I'm way off here, but it was distracting enough to me that I actually had to stop the movie and look up when the Boston Strangler was at large. This is less Mad Men and more Chinatown. However, like I mentioned, it does fit the feel of the film. Another small gripe is the title. Very non-creative. And frankly, I think it's going to keep a lot of people away from what is otherwise a worthwhile movie. 
It's been 70 years. Can't you think of another title? All that aside, this is a tight investigative reporter serial killer procedural that plays out like a cross between Zodiac and a film noir with a distinctive feminist message. Knightley really shines as Lorraine McLaughlin, a fledgling reporter who breaks the story of the Boston Strangler murders. We get to watch her fearlessly maneuver through a world that undervalues her contributions. There's no argument that I would accept against the fact that Kira Knightley carries this film. Though she's not completely alone, Chris Cooper pops up as her boss at the paper, and Carrie Coon plays her journalistic partner, Jean Cole. While there's a brief sag in the second act, the movie keeps up a fairly brisk pace. Though I did not think it took quite enough artistic liberty in the building up of dread or even the intrigue factor. In the end, aside from the very nicely executed feminist angle, the actual mystery is a little confused, as I guess that's the case in the real-life Boston Strangler. This could have been amazing if that side was given as much care as the character of Lorraine. As it sits, though, this is thought-provoking if somewhat unsatisfying look at a case that remains shrouded in doubt and mystery. And for that alone, I would say, go ahead and reopen this file. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I want to say, is there a more suited actress working today for period pieces than Kira Knightley? No. <laughs> she fits so well in a film set in the 60s or 70s or the 18 or 1700s. I got a, I got a bold <laughs> statement for you. James Gunn, if you need a new Wonder Woman, go get Kira Knightley. Yeah, she fits period pieces. Every, I, I swear to God, if we looked at her filmography, all of her best films are... You know, right. older movies. What was that um, World War II one where she, her husband, and she cheats on the husband with uh, the? Are you thinking of Alexander Skarsgård? No, I don't know. I have no idea off the top of my head. Can we throw oh, in the fish? Yeah, you're. Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh the aftermath. God. It is the aftermath. Yes. Yep. Um, and she's just in a, a slew of of them. You go down the line. I mean, I'm appreciating her more and more. She's great. Um, easy comparison here to Zodiac as we have reporters trying to solve a case of a serial killer. However, unlike Zodiac, Matt, we do not have any of those tense and frightening moments. Right, right. And it was lacking those, right? Totally. Um, I think this is because the pacing in Boston Strangler is too fast. It's too quick. I like the quick pace. But I think what happens is, okay, we get to know the characters, and that helps like sort of like facilitate the story really quick. Um but it also makes the f- the film feel shallow in a way. I thought when it comes to the character development, it felt like we were we're just they're zipping in and out of the scenes too quick. It's it's moments where a scene only lasts thirty seconds to a minute, almost like a sitcom where they bust in, they say something, the line that needs to be delivered, cut to the next scene. Too much of that here early on, and I think that that hurt it. Um, I was intrigued by the story overall because, to be honest with you, Matt, I don't know much about the Boston Strangler other than the name and that he was a serial killer. Right. I don't. I, did, I, yeah. I didn't know, A, when he killed exactly the, the time period, who he was, how they caught him, or anything. And right. so for me, learning about it was probably the most intriguing thing about this movie. Uh, so you're... you're- Taking exception with my poo-pooing of the title then? Well, I think the the title's fine, yes. Yeah, maybe you're right. I mean, I guess for people who don't know 
the Boston Strangler, maybe they'll be intrigued. It is evocative, right? But I also think it's going to keep away moms and pops who who were, oh, Boston Strangler, they're, they're going to get turned off. This isn't a movie that should turn anyone off. It's, it's, it's like a pretty tame mystery movie that is missing those dread-inducing scary beats from Zodiac, which I think it should have added, but they're not there. So like mom and dad can go ahead and watch this movie and it's going to be fine. It's mostly like, in fact, I think mom and dad would enjoy this movie because it's kind of a throwback piece. And did you feel what I'm saying about how he threw it back so far, he went right past the 60s into the 40s? Mm -hmm. This was a film noir, which is cool. Like I like a film noir, but it's like, this is set in the 60s? Like what's going on? I mean, other than the cars, there's like, the, the way people dress, the way people talk, the sets, everything didn't seem like the 60s. I, I, I guess the 60s also in the sense of Kira Knightley's character being the at-home mom, that kind of storyline that she was going to have to work more was very that, you know, hey, women well, are getting more into the workforce. That felt very 60s-esque. Yeah. Right? That wouldn't have been 40s. No. So there it felt very placed in the 60s. But going back to the the Zodiac comparison, what I think I I was upset about is there are scenes that show the Boston Strangler actually killing women, you know? So so the killings are going on just like it was. Off screen, you hear it. You hear it. But I mean, it's there, like you're present. Much like Zodiac, uh, they're they're trying to kill find this guy, and then we're getting scenes where the Zodiac killer is actually you know killing. It needed to be more tense and more tied to the characters trying to uh, solve the, the the case, like the Zodiac. It didn't connect here. Right. It. Th- I never felt Karen Knightley was close to the Zodiac. Right. In, in they, Zodiac, I, I'm saying the Zodiac into the Boston Strangler, I mean, but in Zodiac, you felt like, oh, they're right on top yeah, of this like guy. Yeah, like he's literally and upstairs. Right, and that was the dread. That's what made that movie so great. They're right there. You don't get that here. No, they could have played with that a bit more. I totally agree, man. I totally agree. Uh, but overall, I mean, I still had a decent time with this. Yeah. You got a jaw-dropping moment? Yeah. Okay, here's my jaw-dropping moment. They make a, a point... And now this is a true story. So all the characters are real people. They make a point of showing how supportive and loving her fu- her her husband is in the first scene. Like she's running off to the office to break this story. And he's like, go ahead, go, honey. I got your back. And then the very next time we see him, he's a total asshole who, who's like, where are you? I've been minding the kids all day. And he's like holding the baby. It's like, wow, that was an abrupt shift in his character. A one and done. Go out there and change the world. You didn't get it done on that one try? Get back in the kitchen. Yeah, back in the kitchen. I went with how shocking it was that people would let just a random serviceman into their home. Right? So the Boston Strangler... I bet you that still happens, dude. Basically got into the homes by literally knocking on the door and saying something as simple as... The super sent me. Yeah, the super sent me. And people are like, oh, okay, you got to look at the radiator? He's like, I hear your radiator needs draining. Okay, come on in. You're dead. I do think we're way more cautious now. I can't fathom that I would... Some random would knock on my door... And I would open the door and let the guy in. Like, what? Dude, you would Who be called? surprised. You'd be shocked. I would be shocked. But man, 
if this is, and obviously he, this is a true story, this is how he got in because part of the thing was the cops couldn't catch the guy was that there was no breaking or entry. They didn't know how he was getting in. He literally was knocking on the door and like, heard your radiator's a little full, need to, and next thing you know, the guy's dead or the lady's dead. I mean, yeah. it's wild. It is wild, wild that people are letting people in like that. I can't even fathom. I mean, you want to trust people, you know? And, and, and this guy, by all accounts, like presented from the survivors, presented himself... You know, in in the proper attire, he was wearing workman's clothes and had was carrying tools and stuff. Obviously, he was misrepresenting himself, but it's ugh, scary. All right, how about a quote, Rye? I went with Kira Knightley and Kiri Kuhn is enough reason to see this. Agree, agree. My quote is: If Zodiac had a confused baby with Chinatown, but the genius skipped a generation. There you go. How many jaws? 2.5. I went two and a half also. We're yeah. right on the right on the same level. And Jawheads, this is a Hulu exclusive. It comes out next Friday on the 17th. So this is a little early. Check it out. For a streamer, I think this is pretty good. I think it has a lot more to say about feminism than it does about the Boston Strangler. Period. Should be noted, Kiri Kuhn, Chicago's own. She's Steppenwolf Ensemble member. So good she's, to see her. She's wonderful. Yes. Great to see her. Yes. All right. We ready to play some trivia? Always ready. No guest. So that means stump the Kabinsky. Five questions, Matt K. We're playing Boston movie theater, meaning movies set in Boston. All right? All right. Jawheads, he needs three correct not to be stumped. Less than that. I'm going to do K wicked good. Question one over to you, Matt, and we need all answers in a Boston accent. Oh, boy. Question one, where does the last heist in the film The Town take place? Fenway. Was that, that was decent, right? As for the accent. How do you say Fenway in a Boston accent? Fen... <laughs> I can't even do it. See, at least I went for it, man. Question two, Matt. The 1982 film The Verdict scored an Oscar nomination for its lead actor, which was who? Nineteen eighty-two. The verdict. Okay. So I get a lot of these mixed up. It's not the witness, right? Which was which was um that was uh, was that Harrison Ford? It was, yeah. yeah. So and and um, uh, Susan Sarandon, if I'm not mistaken, right? Don't think she's in there. But. Okay, okay. So it, and it's not okay. This is this is the verdict. You need to have the witness to get a verdict. The jury delivers the verdict, and I feel Where like where the hell is he going? He's dancing <laughs> around. I know. We need an answer, damn it. Sean Penn. We're looking for Paul Newman. Ah, okay. See how addressing Paul. You go Paul Newman on a second on the number two. Come yep, on, there Jesus, you go. Jesus, I'm in trouble, folks. Matt's got one correct out of two questions. Question three over to you, Matt. Name five actors. I want Jesus. five actors from the movie The Departed. The Departed. All Name right. five. You got, you got yourself, Matt Damon. You got Leonardo DiCaprio. You got. Uh, 
Mark Wahlberg. You got... <laughs> oh, the, the guy who was in As Good As It Gets. Thank you. Nicholson? Yeah, Nicholson. Him. In, in Boston, please. Uh, and you got... There was a girl in it. Jesus. A couple other guys in there also. Probably some heavy hitter mob guys. Uh, it's not like De Niro's not in it. Um, I said Wahlberg. Oh, oh, Chris Cooper's in it, isn't he? Five people? I know. Is tough. it Jennifer Lawrence? Who's the girl? <sighs> Vera Firminga. Vera Firminga, yeah. Yeah, was the girl that you were looking for. The other two guys of note were Martin Sheen and also Alec Baldwin. Is oh, also yeah, in Alec it as Baldwin. Well. Yeah, he plays the, the like, CIA But you see guy. how big of a cast. That's why I went with five. Cast, yeah. That's why I went with five. Um, Give it to me. I mean, I got four out of five. Unfortunately, we cannot give it Come to you, on. Matt. He's got one right out of three. Question four is over to you. Matt, Clint Eastwood directed Sean Penn in this 2003 Boston set film. That's got to be Mystic River. That is correct. Yeah. This is perfect. He has one two right. One of my right, favorites. I love that. Two right out of four. So the last question, is he stumped or isn't he stumped, is this. Michael Keaton has starred in two films that won a Best Picture Oscar. One was Birdman. God damn it. The other was this Boston set <sighs> drama. Michael Keaton. Two Best Picture. Can I get a year? How about I'll give you one hint. Okay, give me a hint. It came out the year after Birdman. Oh, after Birdman. It went Birdman and this back to back, back to back, best to back, best picture winners. Michael Keaton was winners. In. Yeah, Birdman won best picture winner, and so did this film, and it was set in Boston. Oh my God! Why don't I know what won best picture after Birdman? Yes. What? Was oh, it? dude. You are exposing <laughs> my flaws, and it doesn't feel good, Ride the Movie Guy. I almost wish you hadn't given me the hint. It's definitely not RoboCop. <laughs> uh, I don't think Michael Keaton was in Manchester by the Sea, which didn't even win Best Picture. Didn't, right? Nope. Was nominated, but did not win. Um was that the year? Ah, no. You Bird, might have stumped me. I think you're off by a little bit there. Bird, Birdman was like 2014. Yeah, this what? would have been 2015. Oh boy, it wasn't Avengers. Sadly, what came? What was the best picture in 2015? Dude, I don't know. I'm gonna kick myself. We're looking for spotlight. Spotlight. Yeah, I didn't see it. It is an ensemble piece, but. Obviously, Michael Keaton, head of yeah. the paper over there. Um, yes, Matt is stumped this nah, week. Nah, I got the Boston questions right. That was pretty good, though. You actually did well. I mean, you got four of the departed, so yeah. still stumped. No, I feel like I'm going to take away a win. This is fun. Doing a solo episode every once in a while is fun. Oh, I agree. We should do these every once in yes. a while. Next week, we got a big show coming up. 
we have, I believe, Shazam 2, whatever that's called, the Fury of whatever, Shazam I don't know. Yeah, Let's Shazam 2 is fine. It's right. fine. We, and and we, we're going to interview Sinbad, right? He's going to be on the show. <laughs> and also Inside, uh, which is the reason why we're celebrating Willem Dafoe, who is uh, an art thief, gets trapped inside his own theft. So mm. exciting, exciting times. It is. I'm excited for Shazam. Ending the show, though, we got to thank Phil over there in Seattle. Phil, thank you. Yes, thank you guys both. Wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I, are you guys feeling it? Do you guys think we should announce this right here, right now? Because I do. Go for it. Uh, great news. Great news for jawheads who love audio consistency. And when people are in the times in the same time zones, uh, in May, I will be back in Illinois again and live recording with your two favorite boys, Matt and Ryan, the old crew, back up and at it, causing debauchery at Comic-Con, getting kicked out of bars because we're too drunk on Matt's 45th birthday. Everything you love about the crew. Uh, so something to look forward to this summer. And I, I can't wait to see both. I mean, I'm seeing your faces right now, but you guys know it's different. We do. Looking forward to seeing you again, Phil. Can't wait to see Phil right next to us, not just on a computer screen. And yeah, give, give Phil hugs. That's, that's, that's what it's all about, He's man. He's the best. We also got to thank our sponsors, man. Uh, yes. Thank you to Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. They have been with us. And thanks to the Patreons for supporting the show. If you want to join the family of Patreons, join us over there. It's patreon.com slash cinemajohn. Yeah, and while you're at it, click subscribe wherever you're listening to this. That helps us out a ton. It sure does. Until next week, I'm Ryan the Movie Guy. I'm Matt Kay. And, and keep, keep on John about, about the movies. movies.